I am Scott Chaloner, and this is the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. And I am delighted to say that joining me as the guest on today's show is Shaz Memon, the founder and creative director of Digimax Dental, a marketing and advertising company based in London with a specialism for the dental industry. And incidentally, it's now the highest rated marketing agency for the sector. Um, Shaz, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Scott, for having me. It's a real pleasure welcoming you with us. And when we're talking your business, Digimax Dental, and of course, I've given a brief overview as to sort of what it's all about, but it's a real example of exactly what's in a name, isn't it? Because it's sort of an amalgamation of some of the uh, the key core facets of your business, Digimax Dental, isn't it? It's sort of digital, um, maximum effect, design, all kind of blended into one name, really, isn't it? I love that you've done your research. So yes, not many people actually know this, that Digimax is um, a, a combination of digital design, maximum effect. So when I was 16 years old, um, that's when I came up with the name. I'm, I, de- I, I don't want to tell you how old I am now, but yeah, mm. I combined the two to make Digimax and it, and it just stayed with me ever since. And it's been an amazing journey that the business has been on, isn't it? Of course, you started the company um, at the age of 21, basically from a conversion in your parents' garage, and it's now become um, a fantastic business working with some huge names, including the BBC Barclays, UBS, and House of Fraser, just to name a few there. And it's seen you as well, um, voted the 15th most influential person in UK dentistry just last year, actually, within the, uh, the top uh, 50 people. So that's it's amazing and it's some journey I can imagine that you've been on from the age of 21 sort of taking the company from the, what it was then to where it is now. Absolutely, Scott. It, it certainly has been a journey and it's always um, it's always funny to hear, hear these things um, being said because when you're saying it, it sounds like um, I've made it and I'm ever so successful and, you know, I just look at myself and I think there's so much more to do. I mean, it has been a journey, but I just sometimes I look at the year and I think I've only just got started. So yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. It has been a journey, but also I feel like the journey has just begun. Every year is just so different, especially now. Certainly so. And I think it's important to note as well, just for some of those sort of younger viewers that may be tuning into this of that entrepreneurial mindset that may be considering starting their own business, that it hasn't always been smooth sailing and an instant pathway to success for you, has it? There have been some significant challenges along the way. Of course, the business was almost kind of run into the ground because you were doing it all yourself early on. And um, obviously, you've had to sort of overcome those challenges and sort of build up, scale up gradually to sort of make Digimax what it is today. Yes, this is this is a really, really important point and so important to me, actually. So growing up um, in my sort of when I was 17, 18, going on to 21, 23, these were really challenging, challenging years because there wasn't that much information available about mentorship. Internet was still sort of in its infancy. Social media apps hadn't developed. So really, you're learning yourself. YouTube is still in its infancy. And um, uh, I think I, I must have spent seven to eight years in isolation, sitting in a garage, doing what I thought what a business does. I, I felt having a limited company makes you a businessman. Issuing invoices makes you a businessman. It's only in the last seven years I've realized that, you know, a, a true business is one that can operate without you needing to be there 
every moment of every day. And as an owner operator, when you're first starting up, you're doing absolutely everything. So, um, and obviously it takes a toll on your mental health and you do have uh, uh, points in your career where you might feel like, you know, maybe I should have got a job. I should give up. I was lucky enough that I had enough success stories around me where I felt like, yeah, you know, I should keep going, but I cannot imagine what it would be like now when, you know, um, in a climate like this, where there is so much pressure on young individuals to perform and mm. do really well and social media doesn't make it easy. So um, I would just say to anyone that's young right now, do do what I couldn't do. Get yourself a mentor who can handhold you through the process and fast track you to success. Because if I could go back in time, I'd probably save eight, nine years of my life uh, learning the hard lessons that I didn't need to really. Yeah, certainly. Um, and do you think that sometimes we sort of have to sort of go through those setbacks to actually be successful because it's all part of the the, the learning curve of growing your own business? Yes, I, I don't think any business owner would disagree with that. I just think, you know, how how long you have to endure it for is is optional. Mm. You know, we do we definitely need to have some low low points to appreciate what the high points are. But just if you're reliving that same year for seven, eight years, um, that's not a good thing either. It just needs to be a good balance, doesn't it, Scott? Yeah, exactly. It's sort of looking at it as winning or learning as opposed to winning or losing slash failing, isn't yeah. it, I suppose? Exactly. Yeah. And just because you mentioned mental health earlier as well, um, I do want to touch on that briefly because it has significantly been amplified by the events of the last sort of 18 or 19 months with the uh, the COVID-19 situation. Um, from a leadership perspective, um, just how important is it within business to make sure that you're safeguarding, not just, of course, the mental health of your colleagues as well, but also that of yourself as the leader of the business because um, you've got to make sure that when you're in that survival mode especially you're not sort of burning yourself out and you're able to be there and lead by example yeah you you definitely need to make yourself a strong leader there is no question that when you're leading a team through tough times your own mental health can get affected but you, you have to be you have to really really put up a strong display if you show weakness yourself, you're not, I, I don't feel that it sometimes helps your colleagues who may be struggling. So I've, what I've always done is I've found help to do whatever I need to do to take care of myself. But when I'm there for my colleagues, making sure that I give them my 100% to let them know that they're supported. So particularly through COVID-19, we did have to be more flexible. We did need to have check-ins. And, you know, this, is, this really is the difference between new age entrepreneurship and old age entrepreneurship, old age, don't really, um, don't usually identify with the term mental health and work. It's just like, come to work, you get paid, do your job. Now, I feel that it is an integral part of leadership. If we're not taking care of our employees, our team, the people who make our business successful, in turn, they, they are just not able to perform at their best ability. So yeah, we, we, there's so many things that we have in place to support mental health now. Um, and I, I think it's so important. I have a five-year-old daughter and I really hope that when she's grown up in a place where she's, she's developing a career and wherever she's working, that she gets the support that she needs because the environment is so different now. There's so mm. much influence coming from 10 different directions that of course our minds aren't designed to deal with this level of information and comparison. 
Yeah, and um, is it fair in your case to say as well that through the tough times as well, that sort of family influence, it it has had a profound effect on you individually in your business. And I asked that question because when you were sort of starting to build up Digimax, um, am I right in saying that it was um, a heart-to-heart with um, your brother, actually, which sort of made you think, at, when I'm scaling up the business, it's time to sort of hand the reins over to employees and take more people on to really grow this thing? Yes. Yeah, so uh, as, a, as a creative, um, being in the creative industry, so I was a designer, I, I still am, but I take a different role now. When you're designing and clients are coming to you and using you for your work, you're, you're, you sometimes can tell yourself, well, I certainly did, that they're coming to me for me. And like I said, for many, many, many years, I was working in isolation as a young individual, all hours in the back of the garden in the garage. And my brother came to me, who was 10 years older than me, who had a few employees, and he says that, why are you doing this to yourself? And I said, no, you know, no one else can do what I do. How, how am I meant to hire? How am I meant to afford it? Um, and then he said, well, you won't know until you try. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to lose a bit of money. And that's really when I thought, okay, this makes sense. Let's try it. And I went on the journey of getting my first employee. And that didn't go perfectly well either. But really, that was the start of scaling up. And now there's there's about 30 people in our team. And I can't, I just cannot imagine ever being back, back mm. to me, myself and one other person. Yeah, and it sort of links back to that whole not burning yourself out and overburdening yourself, doesn't it? And um, obviously when you were sort of making that transition over to, well, from obviously just yourself to then leading a team of people, um, obviously a whole raft of challenges comes with that doesn't it getting to sort of build the right team of people around you leading that team to great things getting them to buy into your philosophy so how was it sort of growing into that side of things and leading a team of people it was a big awakening um i'd always seen business owners sort of employ people and these employees work for them and the the owners just having this belief that you pay and someone works for you I thought it really was as simple as that. You put a job advert out for something, they come, they turn up, and they give you their 100%. So in the early days, I just didn't understand when um, people are just not turning up to work one day um, or people aren't doing what they promised that they would do. It just didn't make any sense to me. And then, you know, over the, real, over the years, I realized that, one, as an employer, are you giving your employees the kind of environment that you would want to work in yourself? Are you giving them all the support that they should need? They need. Do they have enough time to really be creative or to think for themselves? So, as empl- and are you really putting your company on the map so they can be proud of the company they're working for? And a business coach once told me in recent years, he said, ask your employees, why do they work for you? And if they say we work for the money, you have a problem on your hands. You really should have a business where people really work for the vision and they enjoy working there. And that's really when things started to change. So I found that the people who are just there for the salary, they were never really quite committed. But the people who absolutely loved what what Digimax was about and were on that long-term journey, they they stayed. And today in my business, I would say 80% of the people in the business have been there from like five, six, seven, eight years plus. I even have a designer who's been with me from the almost the very beginning. And 
it's those sorts of people that when you're in a crisis like the one where we've been going through, like the COVID pandemic, um, it's those that really go above and beyond, isn't it, during a time like that to really sort of keep those vital services within your business running. And it doesn't take quite as much to sort of manage their morale because when the chips are down, you know, those are the people that are going to get stuck in for you. Absolutely. They, they, they are leaders in their own right. So when, when things started to go uh, pear-shaped for, for the United Kingdom, all sectors, when the pandemic was at its peak, um, when I was hearing horror stories from other business owners, I, I just was so grateful that everyone in my team had pulled together. They were doing things that they weren't even telling me that they're doing. When I was finding out, I was saying, you, don't, you know you don't need to do that. You know, answering clients all hours, you know, meeting them on weekends, just doing wherever, whatever it takes to support the business and to support me, to take care of me as well. Yes, exactly, because I think as well as looking after your people, sometimes you need to obviously fall back on your team, sort of look after you as the leader, don't they? It is very much sort of a two-way thing because someone running a business, they're only ultimately as strong as that team of people that they built around them, aren't they? Indeed, 100%. And um, obviously thinking about sort of keeping morale in check now um obviously as we've said i mean it doesn't take much when you've got a committed team to, for them to sort of get their heads down and work hard during a time like this but were there any sort of strategies or any sort of um steps that you implemented personally to sort of keep people focused when things were difficult and there were all of these sort of horror stories coming up in the news yes definitely so there were a few things that we did we we realized that look, people are going to be working from home some of these people They've never spent this much time with their partners in a week, right? There are going to be challenges. Some people have got slow internet. So all we did is we announced that, look, we're going to back off. We know when you're at home, you are not going to be able to sit on your desk from 9 till 5.30, just like you do at the office. We're going to back off. We're going to trust you. This is what we need to do to win and to get out of this. Are you on board? And that was, that was really it, Scott. We did that and nearly everyone shunned through. And the one or two people that didn't, that was, I think that was a, a, something that was going to be highlighted at some point anyway. It was a real test for the team to see who puts, puts the work in and who doesn't. So by backing off, people said, look, we felt so relaxed. There was, there was someone who said, you know, I needed to get out and walk every, for half an hour multiple times in the day because I live in a high rise. There's not much fresh air. For me to survive, the flexibility you gave me meant that I could stay in this job without having a mental breakdown. So yeah, I, I think a lot of it was trust and, and just backing off. Yeah, and I think it's important to sort of take that approach, isn't it? Because given the great shift and the huge emphasis on sort of mental health and well-being that we've seen during the pandemic, when we're looking at recruitment especially and uh, business leaders are out there looking for candidates for roles, the demands that prospective employees have from their employers is changing, isn't it? And business leaders have got to really take heed of that moving forward and understand that if you don't prioritize these aspects, I mean, ultimately, you're going to struggle recruiting from the best pool of talent that's out there. Yes, definitely. Uh, I know now, even from speaking to potential candidates for a particular role I've got, people are willing to take a pay cut to have a better life. People are willing to take a pay cut to spend less time in the office but because they're not commuting, but more time at home. They're willing to take a pay cut for, for the flexibility, for the trust. So it's, 
it's not always down to whoever pays the most. It certainly is down to flexibility, family time, appreciation, and, you know, opportunity. Exactly right. And integrating all of these elements into the way that your business has run has undoubtedly contributed to placing Digimats Dental at sort of the pinnacle of the dental marketing agencies of the UK and indeed the uh, the wider world. And it's also seen the business featured in various national publications um, and various other um, publications as well, including Forbes magazine. Um, but as well as that, um, you also um, authored something yourself, didn't you, Shaz? Um, Instagram for Dentists, which was quite interesting. But just for some of those sort of regular listeners that might not be familiar with that particular publication, what actually is Instagram for Dentists and what does it sort of talk about within your industry? Sure. So Instagram for Dentists is essentially a Bible that any dentist or dental professional in the industry can use to navigate their way around Instagram from a dental healthcare perspective to promote their practice. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've never had ambitions to be an author. I'm not really a reader myself. But something happened where lots of our clients were saying we're using agencies to promote Instagram, uh, promote us on Instagram, and it's not been very successful. Mm. And then they said, Chaz, Digimax, can you help us? And I'm of the belief that, you know, social media doesn't really work when you outsource it. The, the thing that makes social media work is showing your vulnerability, showing behind the scenes of a business. It gives the oppor- opportunity to big companies to act small again. So I always felt that, you know, when companies were outsourcing Instagram, it wouldn't work. So what I did, Scott, was I kept writing back to people who'd emailed me for advice with long, long lists of do this, do this, do this. And then one day I woke up and I thought, you know what, maybe I should combine all of this advice I've got in my sent items into a book and the type of book I want to create is one that I'd be happy to read myself. And, um, I got to my desk and I realized I was about 280 pages short for a full book. So I had to take nine months off and write it. And, um, I never knew it would be the success it is today. So it sold over 7,000 copies. Uh, the profits of each book sale, uh, went to my charity, Wells on Wheels. It was bestseller on Amazon for, for weeks. Um, and, you know, it's, it's been a huge, huge success. And I'm just so pleased to talk about it in the way I have, where it's helped people. So it's been, I, I'm an accidental author. So many people mm-hmm. message me saying it's transformed their business. So, yeah, that's really um, the shortened edit, Scott the bookstore yeah and it's important isn't it in an age where of course social media and technology has become so so much more important and when it comes to sort of the pandemic and how the way businesses operate has sort of shifted over to the online side of things and you mentioned wells on wheels there we should certainly talk about that because it's a fantastic charitable venture dedicated to giving young girls in rural india a chance at a better future um with Wells on Wheels, um, what was sort of the story behind that? Uh, because I know that it focuses on water scarcity, which in the background to COP26 and where climate change is firmly on the agenda as well. This is an incredibly yeah. important issue, isn't it? It is. It is. And so I launched a charity called Wells on Wheels in 2019. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really my daughter that when ha- after having my daughter, something changed in me. And, I guess many parents might relate to this. I've only got the one, and she's five years old. But when she was born, you know, something just happened on that very day. On the very day we took her home, and we were sort of putting her in the car seat and protecting her and being so gentle. 
And all my life, I've, I've struggled to give to charity. I'm not going to hide that. I've always been paralyzed in giving because I just never believed that giving a pound ends up in the recipient receiving a pound. And I never really felt that, you know, when you, when you buy food for a homeless person on the street, you get the food, you give it to them in their hands, they eat it, you've got this satisfaction. So I always had a disconnect with charity, which meant I never gave, which also meant I felt terrible. And then when Helena was born, um, I realized something that we are so privileged that we're in a position where we can spend hundreds of pounds on a car seat and, and do everything we can to protect these, these little people. But there are other children that us as a parent, we should, we should take more responsibility for around the world, which are facing neglect. It just happened to be like a, a year or two on from Helena's birth that um, a water cooler, you know, the, the bottles that go on top of your water cooler, it was mm. being delivered to the office in London. And I'm, I'm not good with uh, anything that doesn't involve a keyboard. So I was the only one taking that delivery and I was taking it downstairs and this water bottle started rolling. And I was familiar with uh, the scenario of water being carried on the head, head loading it's called, uh, from various previous experiences. And I just wondered that maybe, what if we just put a handle on a really good quality reinforced drum? So I started to look for manufacturers. And in my absolute surprise and delight, I found a lady called Cynthia who had manufactured this water wheel two years ago, trialed it on all terrains in Indian villages. I got in touch with her organization and they said, yeah, we're manufacturing this right now. It's roughly 28 pounds a wheel. Would you like to place an order? And I thought that's quite simple. So I had a, I, I got together a team of volunteers that were willing to do the deliveries in India. I did it all remotely. And we just started buying wheels, delivering it. And I made a promise that every single wheel delivery that we, we make, we are going to film it with a proper film crew so that everyone donating gets the feeling that they've made an impact. And since then, we've got, since 2019, we've got almost just over 2,000 girls attending school because they're no longer going back and forth in the heat every day for about five rounds collecting mm. water. And that's incredibly important as well, isn't it? Where, you know, female empowerment is such a huge topic as well. Um, I actually had a discussion with um, an executive businesswoman um, a few weeks ago on this very podcast, just talking about sort of how, you know, there's a lack of, you know, like-minded women in senior positions and how they're perhaps not having their voices heard in key board meetings, driving business forward. And so the more young girls we can get into education, especially in these countries, um, it's going to improve their life chances and really improves all of the, uh, the diversity counts, isn't it, as well? Definitely. Definitely. I, I completely agree there. Having a daughter and, and just, just even the women in our business, they are, they, they are just, they should be given an equal opportunity they're incredibly bright, if not brighter than, than males in many, many ways. It's, it's just sad. And we, I think in a capitalist society, all we're doing is hoarding wealth. We're earning, we're taking care of ourselves. I think I don't want to get to the end of life and be like, what impact did I make? And for me, this, this issue is so important that a big part of my time is spent on this and my company actively supports the charity. Absolutely right. And it is going very well. It's uh, received notoriety in uh, the mainstream media over in India, as well as the uh, the Times of India, hasn't it? So it certainly seems as if uh, Wells on Wheels Exploits is really going down well, um, where it's having the most impact. 
thank you. Yes, I mean, like like I said earlier, uh, when you hear this, it sounds amazing, but I just feel like, you know, tip of the iceberg, we've only just got started. There's so much to do. So. Mm. Exactly right. Um, There is so much potential there and there's a bright future, not just for the business, but also your charitable work as well. And just thinking about the future, Shaz, just before we wrap things up, actually, um, I do want to talk about some of your ambitions because um, we've got through, it seems, the pandemic so far. Restrictions have gone in the UK for the time being and we're seeing some real hard-won games of keeping the economy open. But in this environment that we're in now, um, what are some of your big ambitions moving forward? And indeed, by this time in 2022 where do you see digimax dental and where do you see wells on wheels being so for digimax dental i mean the number one spot is the scariest spot really so there's only one one way it can go it can go down so a lot of my time is spent on building the team the customer service levels really innovating so i spend a lot of my time in research development innovation and teamwork and you know next year this time next year I really want to have the team where we've got all the people that we need. We are really working towards entering a whole new geographical location, which we're working on. I can't say too much about just right now, Mm -hmm. but without taking away from the hard work we're doing in the United Kingdom. So just more consistent growth, really for the benefit of our clients, the people that trust us, the families that uh, trust us with their marketing, just want to be continue to be the best we can be for them um so i I always keep my feet firmly on the ground no matter which accolades we receive and world on wheels you know something i get asked a lot um particularly from from those that wish to help and and i just say one thing to them that in the next 15 years i really want to help at least 1 million girls get access to education education is available to them but how amazing would it be to see um, a six, seven-year-old now attending school because they don't have to collect water and seeing where they are in 15 years from now. We already know some of the brightest people around the world have Indian origin. So, so mm. I'd say my, my target number is helping one million girls in rural India get access to education. And who knows who we could unearth, obviously, from that um, demographic of people. We could have sort of the, the person who's going to cure cancer. We could have somebody who is going to solve the climate crisis. We just don't know, do we? The potential is absolutely limitless with it. And that's the exciting thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Shaz, I've got to say, it's been absolutely amazing having you on the podcast with us to talk about Digimax Dental and the fantastic charitable work that Wells on Wheels has been doing as well. And I think over the uh, the next year, as some of these sort of projects that are in the pipeline start to come to light as well, it will be wonderful to actually sort of catch up and revisit this just to see how things are coming along. And hopefully we'll be some way toward that ambition of making a real difference in the lives of one million people in rural India. Thank you very much, Scott. I really appreciate your time and for Leaders Council uh, taking interest in my projects. I really do appreciate that. Thank you very much. It's fantastic. And we're so appreciative to your time as well, Shaz, because it is so important in the context of what we're trying to do, getting the real and authentic stories of success and of innovation of business leaders out there. And if you are one of our regular listeners who has been inspired by Shaz's story today and feel that you might have your own tale to share with us, then by all means do visit leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply because it could well be you joining us on the program next um shaz once again thank you so much and uh, do take care thank you
It was a pleasure welcoming Shaz Mamon from Digimax Dental and Wells on Wheels onto today's podcast. And I do hope that all of you thoroughly enjoyed the interview. Until next time, everybody, I'll be raising a glass to outstanding leadership in business. And to all of our regular listeners, you'll be hearing from us again on another show very soon indeed. Until that next time, goodbye and take care.